Come on, just give me a wave. Let me see that you're alive, that you're awake. It is so good to see everybody here today. And I am really excited for this service because I really believe that God's going to speak. Amen. Anybody else believing with me for God to speak in this service today? If you're believing for God to speak to you, let him know, God, speak to me. I want you to speak to me today. That's why we're here. We're not just here to jump around and laugh and have fun. We're here to hear from God. Amen. God, I want to hear from you today. And so my name, uh, my name is Andrew Mack. I am one of the pastors at Berlin Church. Is there anybody here for the first time today? If you could just give me a wave. Welcome, 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 welcome. Wow, come on, let's welcome them. Welcome, everybody. We're so glad that you are here. And uh, we're getting ready in the next few weeks for Easter, so Ostersonntag, because Easter is a very big holiday where all around the world we're going to be celebrating with the global body of Christ the resurrection of Jesus. And the amazing thing is that we have a chance right here in the city of Berlin. Of course, you, you can't, you know, there's billions of people around the world that believe in Jesus now. It's amazing. And there's going to be churches in China. There's going to be churches in Australia. There's going to be gatherings of people in the farthest places of the world that are going to wake up on that day and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And so right here in Berlin, we are also going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, and we're going to make it loud, and it's going to be an awesome program where you don't want to miss it, but don't miss the importance of what it means to gather on that day with our global family and to make our voice heard in this city. Yes, Jesus is alive. Yes, the church is still going in Berlin. Yes, we're still believing for revival, and guess what? It's already happening right now in the city of of Berlin and Germany. Yeah, the church is still moving in Germany. It's not just 500 years ago something happened. It's still happening. And Easter is a great way to just make a mark. You know, yes with sound, yes with lights, but also just in your life to say, I am part of this move of God. I'm part of a move of God that started 2,000 years ago, and it's still going. It can't be stopped by the Middle Ages. <clears throat> It can't be stopped by languages. It can't be stopped by pandemics because the church doesn't stop. It keeps going because the church belongs to God, not to politicians. Amen? All right, you're getting me off the wrong track. You don't want to hear that message. <laughs> and so what we've been doing the last few weeks has been looking at some of the stories of Jesus, uh, the ones that are found in the book of John. So John was a teenager when he first met Jesus. We really, we don't know exactly how old he was, but it is believed that he was very young, probably the youngest of all the disciples. So the disciples had many varied ages, and it is believed that John was the youngest one. He had a brother named James. They were two brothers. The Sons of Thunder was their nickname. I'd like to be called that, Thunder, you know. And so they, they followed Jesus, and John was very young when he encountered Jesus. And so John wrote the Gospel of John, the books of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and then one of the most powerful books in the Bible, the book of Revelation, was also written by John. 
And so John, when he was a young man, met Jesus. And from the moment when he was young, a teenager, till the moment when he was on the island of Patmos, which is a Greek island, where he wrote the book of Revelation, and some believe that he lived to be over 100 years old, he was still in love with Jesus. Because John loved Jesus. He loved Jesus, and Jesus loved John. And the book of John reveals Jesus to us in a very powerful and special way. In fact, I was just thinking about it before this service that so many of the stories in John are about people that Jesus encountered, Peter, the woman at the well, so many different people that Jesus encountered where when Jesus met them, their life was changed forever, including John himself. And so the book of John doesn't waste time, not that it's a waste, but he doesn't waste time like the other gospels going into the lineage and the heritage of Jesus and about the upbringing of Jesus and his story as a young man and how he was born in the Christmas story, even though I love Christmas, but I must say sometimes Christmas gets really annoying when you are a church musician <laughs> so many Christmas songs to sing, but he goes right into the beginning of John with the ministry of Jesus, where John the Baptist sees Jesus coming down off of a hill to the River Jordan, and John the Baptist declares, behold, look, the Lamb of God. What a weird name for Jesus. Some called him teacher. Some called him this. Some called him that. Is he Elijah? Is he the prophet? What is he? And John said, it's the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. Wow. And then you turn the page to chapter 2, and suddenly Jesus is at a wedding, and he turns water into wine. And then you turn the page again to chapter 3, and Jesus is meeting a man named Nicodemus. And then you turn the page again, and Jesus is meeting the woman at the well. And so all these stories that are in John that are so powerful and special and unique. And so today I want to talk to you about one of the stories from the book of John, which is in chapter 11, where Jesus met a man named Lazarus. But guess what? The man that he met was dead. <laughs> so I wonder today, of course none of us are dead in this place, but maybe you're dead in your spirit. Maybe you're dead in your mentality. You just feel like you're waking up in the morning, you're going about, you're getting out of bed. Yeah, good job, you're getting out of bed, that's great. <laughs> But as you're going about your day, as you're going to school, as you're going to work, oh, it's the same old thing. Oh, it's the same old people. Oh, it's the same old church. Oh, it's the same old thing and this and that. And you just feel like you are living out the motions with no life in it at all. You're dead inside. Maybe you're a Christian. You could be a Christian and still feel like you're dead. It doesn't mean that you are dead, but because you just are disconnected from the body, disconnected from the spirits working in your life, disconnected from the dreams that God gave you, you just have given up believing that anything's possible. Jesus, I believe you heal other people, but you can't heal me anymore. I know I've been praying for years to be healed, and I just haven't seen it, so I'm just going to settle for how I am and what I'm going through, and I just... Uh, you know, thank you, Jesus, for healing others, but it's not for me anymore. 
I'm okay with how I am. And you're dead. And so Jesus meets this man, Lazarus, and and he's totally dead, really dead physically. But guess what? Jesus doesn't let him stay dead. Jesus raises him to life again. (laughs) Jesus lifts him up from the grave and raises him to life in a very dramatic miracle. Don't let anybody tell you that there's not dramatic miracles that can still happen. We shouldn't always expect dramatic, but sometimes God likes to do dramatic miracles in your life. And this was a miracle that was so dramatic, so powerful, it's the last miracle that is recorded of Jesus's public ministry. In fact, it was done in front of a whole crowd of people. It was done in front of the religious leaders. It was so big, so dramatic that when Lazarus was raised to life again, that was the miracle where the political and religious leaders finally said, we have to stop him. This is too much. A little healing is fine. A little deliverance is fine. But raising somebody from the dead in front of all these people, we got to do something about Jesus. (laughs) So I want to read to you the whole story. Can we read the whole story together? Is that okay? Is that okay? Can we read the whole story together? And then we're going to go back and talk through some of the stuff in there. And so here's what it says in John chapter 11. So the interesting thing again is John has up to 26 chapters. So the 11th chapter is already the end of Jesus' public ministry. The rest is powerful, intimate ministry with the disciples. And here's what it says in John 11. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it has happened for the glory of God so that the, na- that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Then we're going to skip ahead a little bit. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. 
And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. And when the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus's grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. And the people who were standing nearby said, Oh, see how much he loved him. But some said, this, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Where, where was he? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. And Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus! Come out! And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them, "Um, Unwrap him and let him go. Let's give God some praise for his word. Thank you, Jesus. They sent a message to Jesus that their brother was sick. And you know, that was the right thing to do. So often we think that, you know, it's either black or white. It's either we're way far away from God or we're so close to him. It's not always so simple like that. They knew that Jesus could heal. They knew that. They believed in him. They knew who he was. They knew he was the son of God. They knew he could heal. And that's why they sent a letter to say, Jesus, come quickly so you can heal our brother. They believed that. They had a big faith to believe in healing. 
And they knew he could do it. And that's why they sent a letter, please come right away to heal our brother. We need you right now. They did the right thing. It's basically like praying. Sending a letter to Jesus is like praying to Jesus. They prayed and they sent a letter, Jesus, come. But what did Jesus do? He didn't show up when they wanted. (laughs) He stayed where he was. And their reaction when they heard that Jesus was coming, finally, Jesus is on his way, finally, Jesus is here, their reaction wasn't to get excited. Their reaction was to be devastated. Because now their brother didn't need a healing anymore. He, he was dead. He was dead. I believed in healing, but it's too late now. Jesus, I believed you could have done it back then, but you can't do it now. It's too late. And so I wonder for ourselves how often when we pray to God and ask for a miracle, or ask for something big, or ask for something crazy, and it doesn't happen right away like the way we want it and how we thought it should be, do we get devastated like they did? Or do we still believe it's so natural to be devastated? Because death was staring them right in the face. Their brother was in the tomb. All those people had come out and were all around them crying and wailing. And it was a sad situation. And Jesus, where was he? Why didn't he show up when I needed him to? You love us. You're our friend. You ate in our house. We served you food. We were good to you. Always gave you a place on your travels. Can't you just do this one thing for me? I did all that for you. I gave every Sunday in the offering. I sang on the stage. I did all this service for you. Jesus, where were you? Where were you? And could it be that all the time what we're praying for and what we think we need and what we think Jesus needs to do is just way too little for what Jesus is actually going to do? Jesus didn't want to do a healing. He did thousands of healings, who knows how many, tens of thousands of healings. He cast out so many demons. He opened so many blind eyes. He did so many miracles. And in this case, he was saying, hey, wait a minute. I want to do something unexpected. I want to do something greater than what you're praying for. Yes, your brother's dead, but guess what? I don't want to do a healing. I want to do a resurrection kind of miracle in this case. Something way more than what you prayed for is what I'm going to be doing. Are you ready for that kind of a miracle in your life? That's amazing. Thank you, Jesus. That even in the moment where Mary and Martha and all the people, all the people, Imagine that. They, they, they all knew that Jesus was on his way. They knew that he was there. And not one person from all the crowd, from all the people said, hey, wait a minute, Mary. Hey, wait a minute, Martha. Maybe Jesus can bring him back again. Nobody said that. Nobody was expecting anything to happen. <laughs> but thank you, God, That no matter what you believe, (laughs) he still will do it. 
that even when we are down and even when our faith is small and even when we don't believe anymore that it's possible, Jesus will still do the miracle. So don't let anybody tell you that it's not possible anymore, that it's too late, that it's too much, that it's too big. Jesus will still do the miracle. And so they run to him. They say, where were you? Where were you? And then all the people come out, and Jesus goes there to the tomb, and he's in front of the tomb, and he looks at this tomb, and that tomb is one of those kind that is a big stone rolled in front of it. He's been in there. He is dead, really dead, not just a little dead, not where they're still looking at him, and oh, he's in the tomb, and he's dead, dead, dead. And they're at the tomb, and Jesus is there, and Jesus is overwhelmed with emotion, and anger, because he's looking around and, and, and angry that there is death at all, because that's not the way that the world is supposed to be. There's not supposed to be death. And so Jesus is overwhelmed, and the crowd look at him and think, oh, isn't that so nice? Jesus really did love him. Jesus really did love him. And so I want to ask you again, do we, do we want Jesus just to be with us? in our situation? Or do we want Jesus to change our situation? You see, the crowd, they were amazed that Jesus was there in the storm. The crowd was amazed that Jesus showed up to just be sad with everybody else. The crowd was amazed that Jesus loved him so much, but they didn't even realize that Jesus wasn't there to just sit with him and to be sad with him and to just stay with him in that situation and to just rub his eyes and say, oh, we're going to miss you. He was there to change the situation. <laughs> do you want God to change your situation? Or do you just want him to comfort you in your situation? Because sometimes changing the situation isn't always comfortable. <laughs> That's another sermon too. <laughs> and so again, Jesus, he doesn't, he doesn't give up. He doesn't give up on doing what he is meant to do in that moment. And so he tells them, move the stone aside. Oh, no, we can't do that. Move that stone aside. No, it's going to be stinky. Move that stone aside. And so finally, all the village people, they start to roll that stone aside. And that's another message right there. Jesus won't roll the stone aside for you. You got to roll the stone aside so that Jesus can do his miracle. They rolled the stone aside, and then Lazarus is called out of the grave, raised to life again, and everybody's like, wow, that's amazing. Lazarus is alive, and that is an amazing miracle. But guess what? How did Lazarus come out of that grave? What did he look like? Did he look like, bah, bah, glittery and with shiny teeth? Hollywood, fake, <laughs> no, he was a mess. He was a mess. And so this is what I want to leave you with today, because the title of this message is Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Jesus is going to do a miracle in your life. Jesus will show up at the right time, at the right moment, to do what only he can do. The question is, is when you are raised to life, 
Because every single one of us that believe in Jesus, we have been made alive in him. We're made alive in him. We're made new in him. We're new. We're new. And I believe that that spiritual transformation can overflow into the physical in all ways. We can be made new in him. It's amazing. The question is, once you have that new life, will you, will you come out of the grave? Will you step out of that place that you were in that place in that, in that lifestyle that you were living in, in that mentality that you had that was all in that cave and come out and come to Jesus because he raised you up not to live your life in a cave, not to live your life in the dark, not to live your life in that place that you used to be in. He called you out to come out of the cave into his life, into his light. But I wonder how often are we afraid because we just, we're a mess. And we can't barely walk. Why don't we just stand to our feet? And we can't, he couldn't even barely walk. He was all round up. Just try that. You know, wrapped up like that. He couldn't walk. But he came to Jesus. He came to Jesus. You need to come to Jesus today. It doesn't matter if you can barely walk to him. There was a woman that crawled to him just to touch his clothes. Come to Jesus. He's made you alive for a purpose. And when you come out of that cave and you come to Jesus, what did Jesus tell the crowd and all those people there to do? Did he say, well, you should just be thankful you're alive? Is that what he said? No, he said, Help him. Help him. Get that stuff off of him. Let him go. You see, Jesus doesn't stop. He doesn't let people stop him. He doesn't let religion stop him. He doesn't let culture stop him. He doesn't let wrong mentalities stop him. He doesn't let our faith, and no matter how big or small, stop him. He doesn't stop until you are set free, completely set free. Wow. So come to Jesus. Come to Jesus today. Come to the church today because guess what? Jesus told them to unwrap him, which means that it's a part of all of us to help each other to become unwrapped. It's not some supernatural miracle that you're just going to experience out in the middle of the woods, you and God. It's going to require a community to help you get unwrapped because the people had to physically unwrap him and set him free. And guess what? That's the church. That's the church where we're going to unwrap each other until we are shining and, and, and just an amazing body that is ready for Jesus to come again like a bride. Jesus wants you free. And that's really the message of Easter. Jesus rose again so that we can rise again. We don't need to live life like that anymore. We can be free forevermore. Wow. So I want to pray for you. Why don't you just close your eyes? And I really believe right now that God is speaking. There are people here where you've just really felt distant from God. It's not like it used to be. 
It's, you used to hear his voice so clear and loud and the Holy Spirit was moving so much in your life and you just sensed the fire of God and you were excited for God and what he was doing. And, and now you're here today and, and you have trouble hearing his voice. You have trouble connecting with him. I am believing that right now that a new filling of the Holy Spirit is moving into your life, lighting up the fire again, lighting up the fire again, lighting up that fire again, that excitement again, that freshness again, that childlike faith again in your life. Come to Jesus. No matter how big the miracle is that you need, come to Jesus. Don't give up knocking. Don't give up believing. Keep holding on. Don't lose your way because right now in this moment, you might be at the right last corner before that miracle shows up and Jesus is coming to town. Jesus is coming into your life and he's going to do a miracle that's bigger than the one you were expecting bigger than the one that anybody in your family thought you could happen. So we thank you, Jesus, for that new anointing, that new filling of the Spirit of God. And so we also pray for the community of believers, for the body of Christ, yes, here locally, that we would be a community that no matter how messy it looks, no matter how messy it is, that we will welcome everybody and that we will be a support to each other to unwrap those things that hold us down, to unwrap those things that need to be shaken off and that there would not be isolation or loneliness in the community because we are a family in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we thank you, God, for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on and just give him a little more praise.